Hey, sweet ones, it's Elizabeth. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to make sure that you know about three changes that I have made regarding my two signature courses, Marriage Methods and Heartbreak to Hope. Change number one, they are both pay what you can. That's right. I don't want money to get in the way of you and your healing so you can pay what you're able to pay. Change number two, you now can choose between receiving the content weekly for three months, which that's how it's been up to this point, or the entire content all in one guidebook PDF delivered at the time of purchase. And change number three, if you have someone in your life who's in a hard marriage, you're going through a separation or divorce, you now can gift them one of these courses. So you can check out the links in the show notes for how to register for all the details. And I just want to do what I can to walk beside you or someone you love during these really difficult situations in their lives and bring them to a place of deeper hope and healing in God. Hey, sweet ones. Welcome to a new episode of the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Klein. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I have been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have to. And C, because I really believe that we have a loving God who wants us to grow and find ways to heal and live in this world that are in wholeness. Today, we're going to touch on a concept that I learned while attending Al-Anon about a dozen years ago. And frankly, it's something that I wish I would have learned when I was a teenager, and it's something I still use to this day. In other words, it's not only for those who are codependent or those struggling with someone in their lives having an addiction. What we're going to talk about today is for every single person who is in a relationship of any kind with even one other person. In other words, it's for everybody. And the concept is this, detaching with love. Now, books have been written on detaching with love, so I cannot possibly begin to cover it in one podcast episode, and yet it's an important enough topic that I thought I should give it a shot. Detaching with love is the goal in any dysfunctional relationship. Let me rephrase. (laughs) Learning to detach with love should be the goal of any relationship, healthy or dysfunctional. I'll say up front that I'm not yet a master at this 12 plus years in, but I am light years better than I was when I first heard about it. I know how to meddle and I know how to hold my tongue, but obsess in frustration. But letting people live their own lives and deal with their own problems and withstand their own natural consequences, okay, that I'm working on and I'm getting there. So let's say you've got a situation, something like this. You are in a relationship with someone and this person does something that is detrimental to himself and or to you. Stop and think for a minute. Again, though I learned about this in recovery, this is not just for people who live with addicts. This can be any kind of circumstance. So I'm going to make up a scenario for the sake of this episode, but please try to like plug yourself in, in whatever relationship you are in that sounds similar. Okay. 
let's say you're married. Let's say your husband hates his job. And in hating his job, he does a couple things. Number one, he complains about it to you every day, every day. And two, he comes home, not just kind of grumpy, but maybe downright mean sometimes. And you get the brunt of it. How are you supposed to deal with that? Now, again, this can be picked up and lifted onto almost any relational circumstance that's frustrating. Okay. Number one, you're going to start with prayer. That's where I'm always going to tell you to start. Pray for your husband's job situation to change if it can. Pray for your husband's attitude to change. Pray for you to have wisdom about how to respond. Pray for it to not bother you as much as it might be bothering you, hypothetically. Number two, you remind yourself that your husband is a grown man. He probably got himself that job. He probably can take steps to change the job. He probably can take steps to change his attitude about his job. He can probably leave that job. He can probably find another job. Number three, next time he brings it up, try saying, may I make a gentle suggestion? If he says yes, then gently, respectfully, lovingly give him your two cents. Something like, maybe it's time for you to look for a new position somewhere else. I can help you look. Or maybe you can talk to your boss about such and such. I can help you figure out what to say. If he takes your suggestions, great. If he doesn't, next step. So say your husband doesn't make any changes. He doesn't listen to your suggestions. He continues to complain. He continues to take it out on you. I know this will be hard and I am horrible at these kinds of conversations, but maybe try saying something like, may I talk with you about something? I know your job is difficult and I'm grateful that you feel safe with me to share about it. But when you say such and such in your frustration, it hurts me. Or when you say the same thing over and over without making any changes, I get frustrated for you and I want to jump in and help, but I can't help. I'd appreciate it if you'd stop such and such in the future. I love you and I'm on your side. Now, if he listens and backs off a bit or maybe realizes, yeah, I probably can be working on this. Fabulous. If he doesn't, next up. So say he continues to make no changes, he continues to complain, he continues to take it out on you, even after all you've shared with him, you can change the subject, you can walk out of the room, but tell him why you're walking out of the room. Um, something like, you know, I, I asked you not to, you know, yell at me when you're angry about your job and you're not honoring that, so I'm going to go get some space. Or simply say... I'm so sorry. I know how frustrated you are. I'm praying for you. And then zone out if you have to. I don't know how many times I've done that. And then just repeat as necessary. Okay. I want to share about two other sort of concepts that are all intertwined with this that can help you learn to detach with love. One is um, one of my favorite slogans from Al-Anon, live and let live. I love this phrase. And I like you know, I just like ironically jumped on that one out of all of the slogans and all of the steps from Elanon. I think because it felt chill and I have zero chill. I was super controlling. Like I'm controlling now, but girls, <laughs> I was so, so controlling in my first marriage and back during that season of my life. And I think the phrase live and let live is like the opposite of trying to control someone. So live and let live. I started with the second part. 
I tried to just, you know, let my then husband and my then middle school children live their lives, like really and truly, unless safety was a thing. I stopped being a part of relational triangles, um, letting them all try to figure out their relationships between them. And I tried to stop controlling situations and outcomes. I let each person live their lives and I try to do this now too. And while working on that, I was trying to do the whole live my own life part also. Now, many, many, many years ago, um, someone close to me was in a crisis and it was bad. It was like really, really, really bad. And I was walking very closely through it all. And I was taking it all in as if it were my own crisis. Yes, it did very much affect me, but still. And I remember a mutual friend asking both of us together how the person actually in the crisis was handling all of it. And I jumped in and answered how it was affecting the person and us and me. <laughs> and our mutual friend said, okay, well, we know how you're handling it. Um, but how is mm -hmm, handling it? Uh, ouch. Now, when the person answered, I believe they said it was hard answering in about a thousand less words than I had just answered, even though it was their crisis. Do you see what I had done there? I had taken on this person's crisis almost to the extent that they didn't need to feel or process because I was doing enough of that for both of us. So when I entered the rooms of Al-Anon all those years ago, I was introduced to another amazing and beautiful concept that completely blew me away. And it's this, when we are born, we are each given an emotional acre. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. I've since tweaked the image in my own mind to be this acre that holds all of my spiritual, emotional, relational, mental, and physical stuff that is mine given to me by God, all the things I have agency over that's in my acre. And it is my job to tend to my acre, to keep it healthy, to make it grow, to keep it from overtaking itself, to keep it from flopping over into others acres. In other words, I am responsible only for myself, even in a marriage. And on the flip side, I am not responsible for anyone else, even in a marriage. Side note. Now, sure, it was my job as a mother, and it's our jobs as mothers to teach our children how to tend their own anchors. But as they grow up, you sort of start, you put down the shovel and the rake, and I started backing out the side gate, and I had to trust that I had done my part and that they'd learned what they needed to know to flourish. But I'm not talking about that here. And yes, sure, we are to serve each other and we are to help each other out. Of course, those are biblical things, but I'm not talking about that either. In fact, listen to Paul in Galatians 6, 5. Each will have to bear his own load. Listen, I know all of this can sound maybe unchristian, uncaring, but think about the parable, not parable, where Jesus, the story where Jesus was talking about um, the number of times that he healed someone, but there's the one where he said, um, like, go show yourself to the priest. I, I'm, I think I'm marrying to, um, <laughs> healing stories here, but he also said like, pick up your mat and walk. He didn't say, let me get your mat for you and lean on me as I help you limp away and go do your stuff. He said, pick up your mat and walk. So Jesus even detached with love girls 
Okay. I'm talking about adult number one, not do, not doing what he should be doing with his own life, whether it's because he doesn't feel like it, he doesn't understand the weight of it, um, or perhaps because adult number two is doing more than he should be for adult number one, sometimes at the expense of both of their well-being. This is not easy. Changing a long ingrained style of relating, it's taken me a dozen years and I'm still working on it, especially if you have controlling or people-pleasing or codependent tendencies like I do. It's much easier to sit in my acre and judge everyone else's acre and point out what they should be doing differently. Heck, if everyone listened to me of how to fix their acres, in my mind, this whole world would be filled with beautiful, perfect, well-run, well-maintained acres. And it's much easier to fixate on someone else's problems instead of fixing my own and just dealing with my own stuff. However, there is so much beauty in this concept because when you are truly focused on the wholeness of your own acre, and I don't mean in a self-centered way, not at all, but in a self-responsibility way, you will find you have less time and less energy and even less desire to peek over into others' fences, checking out how they are and are not tending their acres. So here are a couple questions to ask yourself the next time you find yourself wanting to take on the responsibility of someone else's life. Okay, first, does this issue have anything to do with me? Okay, then if, it's, if it does, okay. If it doesn't, move on. Number two, did I contribute to the mess? Okay, if you contributed to the mess, then it's part of your acre to, to take care of. If you didn't contribute to the mess, move on. Is the mess affecting my life? Because let's be honest, some people's acres, well, let's, we share a plot of land with them, right? A spouse, children who are young adults, or not young adults, children who are living under our roof. Our acres can be a little intermingled. So the mess of a spouse or a child who's living with you can absolutely affect your life. That doesn't mean it's still your job to clean up after all of their messes though. Another question to ask, am I doing something for this person that he or she could or should be doing for themselves? Are there things that you are doing that the other person has the complete responsibility and ability to take care of, then stop. Easier said than done, I know. Okay, so if the issue has something to do with you, if you contributed to the mess, if it's affecting your life, okay, then kind of parse all that out and figure out your part and only your part. But if it's not affecting you, if it isn't something you did, then think of a way you can encourage this person without doing something for this person that they can or should be doing for themselves and pray for this person. Give them to Jesus. This is the let live portion of the live and let live. For the record, if you are married, you are your husband's partner, not fixer. You are your husband's partner, not emotional punching bag. And to take this one step 
farther. You are no one's fixer. You are no one's emotional punchy bag. Okay, now ask yourself this. How is my life working for me right now? Physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, spiritually, mentally. If your life is a mess, if your acre is in disarray in any or all of those areas, work on yourself and the things that you can fix. If your life is going pretty well, then be grateful. Pray for all the people who are in your life. This is the live part of the live and let live equation. And please know just some random things. You're allowed to end a conversation that's damaging to you. That is detaching with love. You are allowed to put space into a situation when advice has been given and not taken. And yet the complaining continues. For instance, I think it's best if we don't talk about work for a while. That's detaching with love. You are a grown woman. You have a full life to live on your own. Your eyes should be on Jesus and asking him what he wants you to work on. And girls, I'm telling you, when you're doing this, you won't have the bandwidth to walk around carrying everyone and their brother's problems. This is detaching with love. It's with love. Because when you step back and don't create a crisis or try to manage or soften or fix a crisis, you are giving every other person in your life the dignity to celebrate their own victories and to learn from their own mistakes and failures. This is not an easy one, but I'm telling you, it's a worthwhile cause to learn to love well without being cut and drained emotionally in all of your relationships. You are truly only responsible for your one life, your one soul, your one body, your one mind, your one heart, your one acre, truly. When you stand before God, you will not be holding anyone's hand. You will not be able to point to another person as an explanation to why your life was a mess. It will be just you speaking for you. So start living that way. I'm going to post a link in the show notes for a handful of things where you can find an Al-Anon group, where you can find a therapist, as well as a link to my mini e-course, Relationships 201, if you want to go deeper with all of this. And as always, if you have any questions you'd like me to tackle on this topic or any topic, you can message me through the podcast and you can share this episode, subscribe to it, and even rate it if you like it, which would mean so much to me. So sweet ones, all that to say, in the middle of your pain or codependency or desire for help or your desire for your every relationship to become better and more whole, you are the unconditionally beloved daughter of God, and he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone. Till next time, so, so much love.